Here's a bit of a rattlesnake. Hey, party people, Blaze here, back again with another episode of Phoenix's Magic Box. So by now, it's pretty obvious that music is what makes my world go round. But did you know that I also love movies? Well, there are some great songs and bands that movies have helped me discover. And that is why this week, we are going to be taking a look at my top five songs that come from movies. A long time ago, in a land, in a time, coming this fall, they were young, hold tight. Okay, so to be fair, in most cases, the artist didn't actually write the songs just for the movie, but it was the song that brought a scene to life, or really made the intro in a movie more memorable. Like in the case of the first song on my list. Now, I'm a big horror movie buff. I love the first Cabin Fever directed by Eli Roth, but in my opinion, Cabin Fever 2 was crap with the capital C. But I do have the movie to thank for introducing me to one of my favorite bands during the opening sequence. In fact, I liked it so much, I Googled them right away and I downloaded all of their albums that night. Off of their debut album, Invitation Songs, here is the Cave Singers with Dancing on Our Graves. Thank you. 
Man, oh man, do I love those boys. I'm keeping my eyes peeled for some L.A. dates. Hint, hint. Now this next song is by a band that some would say are an acquired taste, but their musicianship is undeniable, and their songs are really, really fun. Now this particular song was for the final showdown in the 2006 movie, The Pick of Destiny. Not only is it a great scene, but it's a great fucking song. Here is Tenacious D with Beelzebos. His sex slave. You're gonna goggle mayonnaise. No. Unless we bust a massive monster mama jam. Dude, we've been through. 
through so much shit. Deactivated lasers with my dick. Now it's time to blow this fucker down. Come on, Cage, now it's time to blow doors down. I hear your jables, now it's time to blow doors down. Light up the stage, cause it's time for a showdown. We'll bend you over, then we'll take it around town. Now we got to blow this fucking town. It's gonna rape me if we do not blow doors down. thrashing around my studio during that one. I might need a minute to catch my breath. I mean, it's not easy to play the part of the devil, Tenacious D, not to mention to play all of the guitar parts on air guitar. Now this next song on my list is from a movie that I still hold in my top 10 movies of all time to this day, and probably always will. Now this movie came out when people knew how vampires were supposed to look and act. No offense to the Twilight films, but I want my vampires sexy and vicious with a hunger for human flesh. Oh, and they should spontaneously combust in sunlight, hello? This song is from the 1987 classic vampire flick, The Lost Boys. Here is G. Tom Mack with Cry Little Sister. Yeah. 
Santa Carla, I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. Such a great film. 
If you haven't seen it recently, do yourself a favor and check it out again. It really never gets old. So now we're going to take a quick break and open up the comedy vault. This week, we are going to hear from Pablo Francisco about a couple films that may be coming to a theater near you. Morgan Freeman, Keanu Reeves, they knew too much. We know too much. (laughs) They went too far. We went too far. He said we went too fucking far. (laughs) Jackie Chan, fucking Jackie Chan. Or Jean-Claude Van Damme, that guy makes movies all the time. (sighs) Jean-Claude Van Damme is back in the same shit you've seen over and over and over again. He's running out of ideas. Okay, I hit you, and you go down. Then I kick you, and then I hit you, and you go down. And I'm the winner. I am the winner again. Jackie Chan's the funniest guy, though, Jackie Chan. What? What? Hey, what? What happened? What's going on? Why me? Why me? Gets in fights for the most stupidest reasons, doesn't he? Hey, you! What are you eating? I don't know. I eat a banana. Get him! Banana. Well, that voice, that movie previous voice, that guy can take any topic, regardless what it is, and make it cool. Put the lights out now. Put the spotlight on me. city you must fight to survive he sold tortillas on the corner and the mob wanted him I don't know who this guy is but I want him and his tortillas dead he had one chance and his chance was to fight back Arnold Schwarzenegger listen to me these are my tortillas and I'm not going to get them out here listen to me double the action triple the excitement get down more of the excitement get down again they didn't know who he was. Mijito, where those men who came here, what did they want? Listen to me, you have to keep your head down. They are trying to take my tortillas. <laughs> one man, one solution. Arnold Schwarzenegger this summer is Little Tortilla Boy. Hey, thank you, Austin, man. Rock and roll, baby. Peace out. In the spirit of this week's show, I thought it'd be fun to keep with the theme and check out some odd stories out of Hollywood. After all, we know how Hollywood types can be. This is a segment I like to call People Are a Trip. 
This first story comes from Patton Oswalt from his days on the set of 2004's Blade Trinity. Here's what he had to say about his co-star, Wesley Snipes. He goes on to say, Wesley Snipes was just fucking crazy, but in a hilarious way. He wouldn't come out of his trailer and he would smoke weed all day. He also insisted on staying in character, introducing himself to Oswalt by saying, I'm Blade. And that's not even the trippiest part. The trouble continued when director David S. Goyer allowed certain actors and extras to wear their own clothes on the set one day. There was one black actor who was also kind of a club kid, and he wore this shirt with the word garbage on it in big stylish letters. It was his shirt. So Wesley goes, there's only one other black guy in this movie, and you make him wear a shirt that says garbage? You racist motherfucker. Oswald said Snipes then tried to strangle the director, Goyer. So the next day, Goyer asked Snipes to quit, telling the star, look, we've got all your close-ups. We could shoot the rest with your stand-in. That freaked Wesley out so much that for the rest of the production, he would only communicate with the director through post-it notes. And he would sign each post-it note from Blade. I guess the director was smart enough to know that the best way to fight back is to get in them pockets. This next story comes from James Cameron's 1989 underwater science fiction film, The Abyss. It seems the strains of filming underwater for a taskmaster as unforgiving as Cameron takes a heavy toll. On top of six day, 70 hour weeks as the norm, with decompression takes standing by for anyone submerged too deep for too long, his cast basically broke down. Ed Harris, which is one of my favorite actors of all time, remembers sobbing uncontrollably during a drive home, while Mary Elizabeth Mastrantino stormed off the set when Cameron suggested the actors relieve themselves in their wetsuits to save time and money. Now say what you want about Cameron, but the guy does know his shit and he is one of the juggernauts, if not the juggernaut of filmmaking. And our final story in this week's Hollywood edition of People Are a Trip comes from 2000's bipolar art house musical, Dancer in the Dark, starring Bjork. Now it's been said that director Lars von Trier pushed Bjork so hard that she would greet him daily by spitting on him, followed by an I despise you. Now rumor has it that she was so traumatized by her experience on the set that she ate her own cardigan and vowed never to act again. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but anyone who knows Bjork really wouldn't put it past her. Aw, uh, come on, Bjork, you know I love ya. All right, enough bull jiving around. We are at number four on this week's top five songs that come from movies. Now, this next song is from a movie that takes me back to the 10th grade. I remember watching this movie over and over and over again and having everyone at my school quoting every line in the movie all the time. Not only did I just love this movie because it was funny as hell, but it also introduced me to a little band called Queen. Maybe you've heard of them? To this day, when the song comes on, I have to act out the scene in the movie while singing it. 1992's Wayne's World introduced me to so many great songs that it was like an awakening. From Wayne's World, here is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide? 
reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a
so, so good. Now that song was actually from Queen's 1975 album, A Night at the Opera, but it was given a breath of new life thanks to Wayne and Garth, and I am forever grateful. And now it is time for the final song on my list this week. Now this had to be the biggest movie of 1984, along with the biggest hit of 1984. This is one of those rare cases where the sequel was as good as the original. Now the theme song to this movie was a huge hit for the American guitarist, singer, songwriter. What I really remember as a kid was that he looked a lot like my Uncle Charles, but this is a great song to take us on a trip down memory lane. From 1984's Ghostbuster, here is Ray Parker Jr. with the song of the same name.
she just wants some more. I think you better call. this week thank you guys so much for joining me don't forget to join me every wednesday as i open up my box for you to come inside now if you like the show please don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe so you don't miss new shows each week drop me a message in the comments and let me know what you'd like to hear featured on the show don't forget to share the show with other music files that's it for me i'm off to go and smoke a bowl peace blaze <laughs>